0: And let's get started, team. Wonderful, right? Let me go into presenting mode and we are good to go. So, I've got multiple cameras pointing at me this evening. This is uh, this is rather off putting. Now, for those who um have only just joined the call, welcome for those who are on the podcast, welcome for those who are now watching on catch up. Welcome again, Wednesday evening. We're here for fireside chat for this evening, and we're going to dive into some really interesting and relatively deep subjects for this evening. Now, for those who missed the introduction, you join me at the headquarters of MNU, Mac Nutrition University, whereby I did my nutrition qualification. It is the world's leading qualification in evidence-based nutrition. The CEO is glaring at me at the moment. I am doing some work there um, assessing nutritionists and assessing exams and things for the future of MNU certified nutritionists going forward, which is really, really exciting. It does mean that I'm in the conference room though and wearing the uniform. I've got the colors around me and I've got all of the senior nutrition team looking at me across the room and the CEO himself. So the pressure's on if I say anything about nutrition, which I definitely am this evening that I don't mess it up because I'll get shouted at. But the whole point of this evening team is I asked you all at the beginning of the week, what is the biggest challenge you're facing right now? What is challenging you most right now? There's a reason I asked that. Number one, it is probably one of my most favorite coaching questions. Because we can get the training programs, we can get the nutrition stuff, we can get all of the mindset stuff. And that's great. The thing is, we're going to be facing challenges every single day of our lives. Life is going to happen. All of these things are going to happen. And we, we, we need to understand that. But not only do we need to understand that, we need to expect it. And when we expect it, we can plan for it. When we plan for it, we can handle it. And if we can handle it, you put yourself in a position of full autonomy and competence to deal with what life throws at you. Because here is what happens, team. You will think you're progressing. You'll think you're doing incredibly well. And then, bosh, something will happen. Life will throw something at you, and it will derail you, or it will at least try to derail you. Now, I'm not here to say that getting derailed off these things is necessarily a bad thing, because it really isn't. But it's understanding how we deal with it. It's understanding how we deal with the challenges. And let me tell you right now, there is no difference between what you think is the smallest challenge the most insignificant challenge in the world and what you feel is life-changingly massive and monumental challenges are challenges and you'll be surprised the smaller challenges which are more common are the ones that are going to amass more and more and more and actually it can take the smallest thing in the world to just tip you over the edge because you haven't necessarily recognized everything else that's happened um, up to the up to that point doesn't always need to be an earth shattering thing that happens and slaps you around a little bit. It can be the smallest thing in the world. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a variety of different challenges that all of you have shared with me. And I hugely appreciate you sharing them. They're all going to be anonymous. The reason I'm sharing them here, and I've just put the title of each challenge. The reason I'm sharing them here is because the challenges that you're going through highly likely are going to be the same challenges that other people have been through, are going through, or certainly will go through in the future Now, here's the number one thing I want you to remember through every single one of these. Challenges are gonna happen, suck it up, that's life. However, the one thing that we can absolutely control is our reaction to those challenges. Challenges happen, we can't control that. What we can control is our reaction to these challenges and how we see them through, our perspective to them, our attitude to them, our reactions to them, the things that we need to do in order to fix them or deal with them or bury our head in the sand. These are the things that we can control, not the challenge themselves. So let's dive into it, shall we? Number one, these are in no particular order at all whatsoever. Um, Snacking and it's power over you. Now, the reason I've put this down is because food is an interesting thing there is something called the power of food. And I'm not saying this is some airy fairy thing. I'm saying that the best way to describe this is when you have a stressful situation, what do you do? You'll most likely stress eat. You will most likely reach for something of comfort. You will most likely feed on something that just brings you a little bit of satisfaction and a little bit of comfort. Why? Because we're looking for that satisfaction and we're looking for that comfort in order to deal with the challenge because we don't like challenge, we don't like change. We have to deal with it. And snacking has a certain element of power over you if indeed you let it. Now, I'm not saying here that you're going through a super stressful situation, you're snacking because you're reaching for bread or, you know, cereal or chocolate or whatever your vice is, you're reaching for those things because you want that element of comfort. I'm not saying eliminate that at all. I'm saying first and foremost, be mindful of it, because as soon as we can be mindful of it, we can see ourselves being like, hey, I've got this super stressful situation. And you know what? I've eaten an entire box of crunchy nut. True story. I've done that. Or I've eaten an entire loaf of bread. True story. I've done that. And you're like, Right well, it's done now. A, most importantly, I don't need to feel bad about it. B, I need to make sure that I'm managing not the response to the stress, but the stressor itself. What was building up to that point? So let's, let's, let's workshop some ideas here. Snacking is something that you feel like you can't control. And maybe that's the thing that's stopping you from achieving the weight loss goal that you're aiming for. Well, what are you thinking and what are you feeling when you do reach for those snacks? It's not, to say that this is a bad thing is to say that we need to understand the, the power that it has over you. We need to understand the stimulus here. We need to understand, well, if you're snacking away on stuff, let's say bread, we're going to use this as an example. If you're snapping, snacking away on bread and toast and stuff, well, what's the emotional feeling that you're, you're going through at the moment? What is it you're experiencing right now? What is the challenge itself? Because as soon as we can start to understand that, we can piece together the overall problem itself. Now, it might be you're super, super stressed at work, um, bosses on you all the time, and you've got tons of stuff to do. You've got massive deadlines, and all you want to do is just sit and eat toast and watch Lord of the Rings. Well, if that thought process is, I just want some comfort, I just want to switch off, I just want to do something, then what we can do is we can change our environment. We can change our environment to doing something else. I'm not saying eliminate the toast. I'm saying, let's delay the toast, and then let's go for a walk. Let's do something else. Let's do anything else. Take the dog for a walk, take the bike out, go and do anything else. Go and see parents, go and see friends, go and see family, go and see anybody. Change your environment. Because as soon as you change that environment, you change the cascade of thoughts that lead you to that particular vice. Because I would hazard a guess here, but they're all pretty much the same for you in particular. So for example, you get stressed out and you reach for snacks. So let's say you're in the office and You get stressed out because you just email just keeps bunching up and all you want to do is just stop working. You just want to put your laptop down and actually, do you know what? You're not doing any work anyway. You're not being overly productive. So you're just going to leave the room anyway, walk downstairs. And the immediate action is to go into the kitchen. You go into the kitchen, you open the cupboard and you're like, "Mm, I've got some Doritos in there. Mm, I've got some bread in there. I've got some snacks in there. or I've got a chocolate bar. You might not even be hungry, but the subconscious action there of reaching for those snacks is there, whether you're hungry or not. Now, there are a number of things we can do. Before we get to the kitchen, can we walk outside and change our environment? That's the first thing. Change that subconscious process of you walking from A to B. As soon as that is broken, you're breaking the thought process and that uh, action process in order to then change the outcome of that action itself, if that makes sense. So instead of going from A to B blindly, you're going from A to sort of A1. You're going outside and then you're going to B. And then by the time you get back into the fridge, you might be like, oh, do you know what? I'm not hungry now. I've kind of snapped out of that thought process, or maybe I'll just have something different, or maybe you realize that you've got a stressful week coming up and you stocked up with Aldi high protein yogurts, for example, and that becomes a snack over a handful of Doritos or some toast. You know, it's changing your environment in terms of the amount of snacks, but it's also changing the environment in terms of the cascade of thoughts that are taking you from a stressful situation to be relaxing situation, i.e. snacks. If that relaxing relaxing situation, easy for me to say, isn't serving you, i.e. snacking leads to weight gain because you're over consuming calories, then we need to change the psychological process of getting there. The last thing I'm going to say is don't just not eat chocolate. You know, there's a bunch of things we could do. You could just not buy them. You could reduce the amount you're buying. But here's something that's worked really, really interesting with clients in the past. Think about what it is that you snack most on. Let's say it's like cereal bars or chocolate bars or something like that. Give them a job. I had a client once upon a time, who was a mountain guide and he was busy all the time and he would be out on the mountain all day long for huge amounts of time. He'd come back and then he'd be on his laptop. He'd be running his business. He'd be doing the emails. He'd be doing all these bits and pieces, right? And he would find himself just snacking on those like little naked bars and eat natural bars and stuff like that, which on the whole are healthy, right? But they're also relatively calorific when you've had 10, right? And all of a sudden, 2000 calories down the line, you've eaten all those bars you're definitely not hungry anymore, but you're kind of feeling bad about yourself because you've not actually had dinner, you've just had a bunch of snacks, right? And it was like, well, yeah, I can't really control this this element of snacking. So I said to him, I was like, put them in a box and label the box with your name and say that they are your mountain snacks, i.e. work snacks, whatever it is, guiding snacks. You give it a name because then they have a purpose. And every single time you then reach for them outside of that purpose, you are breaking the rules that you've set for yourself. If they're there in the cupboard, And you've got carte blanche to go and empty the cupboard of all the snacks and they've got no purpose, then it's a lot harder to control the inhibitions to snack. However, if they've got a job, excuse me, just adding people into the group, if those snacks have a job, then they've got a role. And in your brain, you're looking at that and go, well, I'm not working. So I'm not going to eat the work snacks. There's a little bit of self-discipline. In fact, there's a lot of self-discipline in there in order to maintain those rules with yourself. But you're giving yourself boundaries. And that's super, super important when it comes to snacking and food in general, when it comes to its power over you. On the whole, you've got to ask yourself, like, do I need to have any snacks at all? If I'm having three meals a day, if indeed you eat three meals a day, do I need to have snacks at all? If you don't need to have snacks, then don't do it and have the self-discipline to hold those rules and hold yourself accountable if you need to get your family on board to say hey you know whoever does the shopping uh can we like not buy these or maybe you've got kids and you're using the kids snacks this is another thing i did with another client you know he was diving into his daughter's snacks for her lunches for school great put him in a box put her name on it and say they are her snacks for her lunches you can't go in there there's a set of rules if they're on the shelf the shelf's no man land no man's land there's no rules there so those snacks, nine times out of 10, don't have rules on them. Bread, if bread is your vice, well, what's the role that you're playing with that? Like, what's the role that that bread has in the house? Do you have toast with your breakfast, for example? Because if you do, then there's rules and regulations on that, and you're controlling the snacking stimulus. It's very easy, I think, to get yourself into a position where you think that snacking is something that you could never control. And I feel like the number one thing here is to make your snack environment not no man's land and put some rules and regulations on what it is that you're eating. This is not turning yourself into an area where you've got mental rules and regulations and you're being super strict to yourself. This is just putting some regulations on you, what you're eating and you understanding and knowing you as a whole. Does that make sense? So I hope that has answered that challenge. That was a lot longer of an answer than I was anticipating, but the long and short of it is this. Put some rules and regulations behind what you eat. Get a grip of your mindset and have that self-discipline to say, hey, do I need to snack? Do I need to eat this right now? If the answer is no, don't do it. You're an adult. Make that decision. If the answer is yes, think about why. Am I hungry because I'm about to go to the gym and therefore I'm going to have like a banana maybe before my training session? Am I hungry because maybe I had a really crappy lunch and it was quite small? Great. Tomorrow, I'm going to change that. Am I hungry because I missed breakfast because I was late for work? Great. Tomorrow, I'm going to change that. The more you can note down and log and be mindful of how you spend your time and energy, the more the more you can be in control of food rather than food being in control of you. And now I can't change slides. There we go. Uh, challenge number two. I absolutely love the picture. Um, I was looking for relatively uh, similar pictures to the challenge itself. Now, training outside of organized classes. Now, this is a really interesting one because – I get it. You know, you get the accountability of going to a gym or going to a class or, you know, going to, um, you know, like spin classes and things like that. Or if you go to a boot camp or things like that. But think about this. A, have you got a form of structured training for outside that class? If you don't, you need to find that. And if that's my job to do it, and you know, you're know you not coming to, to, to workout classes on a regular basis, then great. We need to agree something that you can do each and every single day to progress your fitness. But before we do that, you need to understand what it is that you actually want to be training for. Well, where's the training going? What's the goal? And I'm not saying you need to have like a 100% set goal, like I'm running a marathon in 12 weeks time, but think about it this way, like, what do I wanna progress? I can't do push-ups, so maybe I need to build up my push-ups. I just want to build my upper body strength. I want to get stronger as a whole. I want to be building my mountain capability to be able to go up and down mountains a bit easier. You know, there's going to be a goal there, no matter how broad or how specific you need that direction. Otherwise, you might as well jump, jump in the car and drive. And when you jump in the car and drive and you've got nowhere to go, guess what's going to happen? You're just going to burn fuel, get lost, get bored. And that's what happens with directionless training. Be mindful of outdoor fitness classes, indoor fitness classes, gym classes, spin classes and stuff. Even the ones that I run, which I'll be ending at the end of this month, like they're relatively directionless because they are there for the community aspect of it. If you are looking to progress your fitness, don't just turn up somewhere, get tired and go home again every single day of the week. That will not progress your fitness. You will get to a certain point because you have something that gym bros will call newbie gains. You're progressing in your fitness to start off with because you've started doing something. Every single person needs to do something training wise, right? You'll progress for that. And then you'll plateau with that progress because that stimulus no longer matches your body's weaknesses ie your body has adapted to the stimulus of that particular training in which case we need to chop and change things around a little bit we need to make sure that we can help you progress so training outside of organized classes yes huge element of self discipline yes huge element of structure and um, accountability through a training plan and also having the self accountability to set yourself up the routine to say hey i work out in the morning so seven o'clock in the morning i'm going to be doing my workout for example So have some structure around your time. There's a common denominator here around structure and boundaries. Have some accountability, but also have the structure in your training plan to push you forward so you can see that progress. Next one, the stress of work and the necessity for 27 hours in the day. There's a couple of people who are dealing with um, stressful jobs, stressful times at work, and we need to figure out how we get around it. Now, again, sticking with the common denominator of having some boundaries in your life, but also managing the stresses that you have. We need to start managing our time. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and preach to you all to say, hey, you need to be turning up to work at exactly on time and leaving exactly on time if that's just not realistic. If that is the case, we need to figure out why it's not realistic. We need to figure out what it is that's stopping you. Is your level of work too much, yes or no? If the answer is yes, then it's down to you to do something about that and have that meeting with your you know, managers and whatever's to figure out a way of you working around it. Because let me tell you something right now, a you're not paid enough to continue working yourself to the bone. B it's not right. It's not right for you to be doing this because it's taking away from all of that time that you need to be spending on yourself. It's not a sustainable thing for you to be able to do. Don't get me wrong. There's times you've got to work a few extra hours. You've got to do a few late shifts and whatever. There are times you've got to push harder but the majority of the times you need to be in a position of control and that comes down from boundaries and that boundary could be as simple as I'm going to turn up to work at the same time or at a specific time and I'm going to leave work at a set time or a specific time by putting those boundaries on rather than saying, you know, oh, I might log on now and start work and then like, oh, I might just do another hour at the end of the day. As soon as you have those boundaries, you're abiding by something called Parkinson's law and parkinson's law dictates that the time that wrong the uh, amount of time it will take to complete the task is the amount of time allocated so for example if you say i'm in work now and you know i'll, I'll end at some point tonight and it's like oh it's 20 past six now i might as well just keep going till seven you get to Oh, oh i'll just finish this off and i'll keep working till half seven and so it goes on parkinson's law doesn't exist because you haven't allocated time blocks but as soon as you say hey I'm going to be out of here by quarter past five, half past five, whatever your time is, then all of a sudden your day is going to start becoming more productive because you've got boundaries of time and it's a relatively simple thing to enact. And I am 90% certain that you will have the backing of your managers and people around you at work because they're getting more productivity time out of you rather than you sat there scrolling and kind of doing, you know, random bullshitty stuff throughout the day. You're more focused in your time. You're then more focused in your energy, you're more intentional, and you're then going to come back into work with a new uh, renewed vigor and mindset around the work that it is you're doing instead of it being that daily grind that grinds people down slowly but surely. Take yourself from a position of being a complete zombie to being someone who's a bit more of a high performer, somebody who manages their time, somebody who then takes the time outside of that from the five to the nine, for example, so that they are able to do more things with their life progress in their hobbies and take some time off and watch the film or whatever it is they want to do in the evening you don't need 27 hours in the day you just need to be better with your 24 and i'm going to say that bluntly but i'm also going to say that mindfully you're like i get people are super super busy i get that there are shift patterns that you can't escape and if it is a case of like it's an nhs shift pattern for example then you've got your shift pattern but think about how you can look at this from a 30,000 foot perspective what does your overall week look like had a client we were talking earlier about different shift patterns, be it long days or night shifts or days off. Well, technically there's three different types of day that we're working here. So let's set a routine around each type of day. Let's set a routine around our long days and what that looks like, our long nights and what that looks like, our days off and what that looks like. That might be a change in nutritional strategy for all three of them. A change in um training stimulus for all three of them it might be a change in your sleep patterns for all three of them but at least there's some structure and some boundaries set within that work pattern we need to look at these challenges and get our head out of the trenches so that we can start to see the overall perspective that we're trying to have here and that is a super super important thing and also it's an incredibly difficult thing uh, in order to be able to to look at and to address you know it's easy for me to say hey just you know sort your life out but actually, it's, it's quite difficult to get your head out of the trenches. My job is to help you find a little bit of a different perspective on things. And as soon as it happens, and I'm sure there are people in this call that can attest to this, as soon as you set those boundaries and you can stick to them, all of a sudden things start to make a bit more sense. All of a sudden, your day starts to feel a little bit more productive. All of a sudden, you do have the time in the evening to go and pursue your hobbies and do what it is you want. All of a sudden, you feel a little bit better about work. And you might just take a little less bullshit from sandra and steve at work who just constantly just take your time for no apparent reason this is becoming a little bit more autonomous but also a bit more assertive in how you spend your time because you have the power to do this okay injury and illness and a very morbid picture in the background i couldn't think of anything better to put as a picture in the background but it looks quite funny uh, injury and illness getting in the way look i'm going to be real real simple with this we're coming into cold season we are coming into flu season i have a cold it sucks We need to make sure that we can progress through it, but we don't need to be pushing ourselves to the absolute limit through these times. If you've got an injury, if you've got an illness, if you've got a cold, if you've got COVID, if you've got, you know, a sprained ankle or whatever, you're going to need to suck up the fact that you need to heal that area and don't rush into it too fast take it from the person who wrote the book on rushing into things too bloody fast. It doesn't work. You know, especially when you're injured, get healed, especially if it's like a foot or an Achilles or an ankle, or maybe to an extent, like a, like a, like a hip, but like smaller parts of the body, they take a lot longer to heal. We need to make sure that we're doing that properly. And if you need help and assistance on how that can heal, then hit me up. If I don't know the answer, I can certainly find the answer illnesses as well. We need to look at making sure that we are setting up our body and priming our body. I did a series of stories on it today you know, setting yourself up in terms of getting some variety in your diet, really focusing in on zinc and vitamin C, those things that are going to help your immune system and building in protein, but also sleeping well, managing stress. Take sick days, people. There's no, there's nothing to be gained about not taking sick days. That's such bullshit. You know, if you've got a sick, if you're if you're sick, why are you working? Take the day off, use it. It's a tool there to be used. And if you can't do that, then dial in everything else around your life so that you can then start to build up your immune system and build up your recovery as fast as possible. Don't just sit and do nothing, please. Don't just sit and do nothing. That won't help you. That will just elongate your recovery period. If your training becomes from a sprint session to a walk session, so be it. If your training goes from a high intensity circuit to some push-ups on the floor in the kitchen while your dinner's cooking, then so be it. But you're doing something and you're progressing forward. It's all about, and I've said it time and time again, the crosses on the calendar and the big ugly C word of consistency You can consistently progress through injury and illness. You might just have to dial in your expectations a little bit. But the crosses on the calendar are the most important thing. I'll change that. There we go. Uh, The pressure of social eating. Somebody put this in a message and they said um, it is Sunday roast season. I absolutely love that because it definitely is Sunday roast season. But here's a couple of interesting ways that we can use this because Sunday roasts aren't the problem. It's maybe the overconsumption, or the 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 thoughts that we are over-consuming food at a certain day of the week. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be the weekend, right? I mean, you know, whether we go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night, or we're going out for a dinner, or you know, maybe you're the sort of person that wants to have a takeaway or something at a certain nights in the week. Whatever, you know, have a look at how we're playing the game here. Let's look at this from a calorie perspective because it's the easiest way that I can use to describe this. Let's say, for argument's sake, and the ease of maths on a Wednesday evening, that. You have an allowance, an allotment or a target of 2000 calories per day, right? That's 14,000 calories per week, quick maths. Well, if we focus solely on the days, 2000 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and all the way through, you might struggle to hit 2000 calories Monday to Friday when you're working and you have a different pattern of life. And you might struggle to not hit 2000 calories on a Saturday and Sunday when you have a roast or you have a night out or you have a Nando's or whatever. So let's look at it in a different perspective. Let's turn calories into pounds, into money. And I give you £2,000 a day. Well, technically, I'm going to give you £14,000 a week, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful? £14,000 a week for you to spend as you see fit. And you know that you're going to be spending differently at the weekend than you are in the week. So you might pocket £500 in your back pocket every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, And that means that you're going to be spending £1,500 Monday to Friday. Well, that gives you 2,500 pounds extra quick maths for your Saturday and your Sunday, which means that you've got 2,000 pounds to spend on, on Saturday, 2,000 pounds to spend on Sunday and two and a half thousand pounds just sat in your back pocket waiting for a rainy day. And even if you spend all of that, you haven't gone into debt at all. You've not gone into an overdraft. Again, in calories, you haven't overconsumed calories. So. Let's try this again. Let's look at this on a more macro scale. Let's look at this even smaller. Let's say that Saturday was all right, actually. And you, you know, you spent your 2000 pounds and no problem at all. So you've still got your 2000 pounds for Sunday and you've still got the two and a half thousand pounds in your back pocket um, from the rest of the week. Brilliant. Okay. So Sunday, all of a sudden becomes a 4,500 pound potential day. It's not a target for you to have to eat. It's just a potential. So even if you are having a Sunday roast, you've got a lot more money that you can spend or calories that you can spend on that day. Do you need to restrict the calories you're eating through the day? Well, to be fair, that is our way of doing it. Personally, if I know I'm going out for a Nando's feast, I might skip lunch that day just because I want to get a Nando's and really enjoy myself. But I also might, you know, get a few extra steps in. I might get my gym session in just so I can just, I just want to feel good. And I want to go to Nando's and have a good time. You don't have to train. You don't have to earn your calories at all. That is something that needs to die. You don't have to earn your calories. But if it helps your mindset and puts you in a perspective of, you know, you're going to go and enjoy your Nando's, then you're going to be less inclined to then spend all that money. And it might be that, you know, you have your 2000 calories for the whole day, but then you've also overspent maybe a thousand calories on that roast, for example. All of a sudden, you've still got 1500 calories left in the bank from the entire week. So you've ended the entire week. You've gone through a busy week. You've gone into a social weekend. You've had a Sunday roast and you've still been in a calorie deficit. Where is the loss? If we look at it from this perspective, then we can start to understand that actually those Sunday roasts, they aren't that bad. If you're treating your body like garbage throughout the week, then that's the thing that needs to change. Not the Sunday roast. Because the Sunday roast, what is it? Probably high in protein, probably high in fiber and variety. And you're going to have a social environment around your food. It's going to be good for you. This is a great thing. So don't throw it away too lightly. Let's just make sure we dial in the rest of the week first. You're not earning your calories. You're being intelligent with your spending. So I hope that helps. You know, it's a case of, if we look at it outside of calories, let's say you're not tracking calories. Well, how do we do that? If you're not tracking calories, then start to look at the habits around your eating. Monday to Friday, the the days that you're working, are your breakfast the same? If the breakfast is the same, great. You've got some consistency there, Like. Put it in a tracking app every now and then just to make sure that the calories are there. You know, you can conceptualize how much protein, how many calories are in that breakfast. Lunch, are you giving yourself the same options? Plenty of variety, plenty of fiber, keeping you full for the rest of the day. Are you reducing or eliminating snacking throughout the day? That's going to be key for a lot of people here. Just do it in the evening. Are you planning your evening meals? Are you getting yourself into a position where you are having high protein, relatively low-ish calories, or if you're not tracking calories, smaller portions of food so you feel full but not bloated? consistently seven days a week, you are most likely going to be intuitively saving a little bit of money. Yes, it can feel like you are sent spending money without really knowing what's in the wallet, but you're just being a little bit more frugal with that spending. You know, you're not counting everything and going, right, I've got this amount of money left and I'm going to spend this. You're just kind of guessing how much you've got left in your wallet, but you're just mindfully being a bit more frugal. Do the same with your eating. If you are not losing weight and your goal is to lose weight, you're eating too much. If you're not tracking calories, we need to look at habits. Snacking is going to be the first one. Be mindful of what it is that you're eating throughout the day. If you're not mindful, do a food diary, log everything for seven days, and then come back to me and let's discuss. But we've done that before in a previous week and a previous challenge. Do it again if you need to. And just look at it and go, hey, what's the low-hanging fruit here? What's the easiest thing that I can change and adapt here so that I can progress forward? It's not the Sunday roast. It's everything else for the rest of the six days in that week. And then enjoy the Sunday roast, you know, get around friends, you know, have a glass of wine and have a beer and this, that, and the other, just enjoy your life. But that is not going to be the thing that breaks the camel's back. It's everything else in the week. That's not going to be doing you a positive service here. and not going to be acting positively for your nutritional goals. You can definitely have a Sunday roast and a glass of wine or a beer and still lose weight. Just dial in the rest of the week. I hope that helps. Okay, next one strength and endurance in the upper body. I'm going to be, this is a relatively short one. Um, people are struggling with push ups. So I'm going to do a video and I'm going to post it. If I can post it tonight, I will. If not, I will post it tomorrow on how to do a proper push up. I have one somewhere on my laptop. I need to dig it out um, and how to do a proper push up. And you're going to work on that. Why? Push ups are hard. We're going to make them easier. What makes them easier is correct form, is consistency in training, and a little bit of time. And eventually, they will get easier. It's not the exercise that just remains to be difficult forever. We just need to dial in how we're doing them. So that's the <clears throat> that's the one where we're going to keep that relatively short and sweet. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you think you're absolutely weak as piss going into a training program. What matters is you're turning up and doing the work. It does not matter, and nobody's going to judge you on your start point what matters is you have the confidence and the and the and the uh and the and the mental fortitude to turn up every day and continue training and keep doing it and put the checks in the box keep crossing off the calendar and hit that consistency and ensuring that as i said in a previous challenge That every single aspect of that training plan is pushing you in a direction that you want to go. If it's general physical preparedness, then this this challenge training program is exactly the thing for you. If it's something more specific, then you've got that in your own training program and we're pushing you forward and you're progressing in a specific manner. Next up, winter is coming. I can't actually remember how many challenges we've got left. Winter is coming. Look, it's going to start getting dark. It's going to start getting cold. It's going to start getting rainy. You're going to lose motivation to get outside. You're going to lose the motivation to go out and train unless you are very specific on what it is that you're trying to achieve. If the adventure readiness challenge is what you're trying to achieve and you're going to get to the end of it, then mega. Let's use that, progress forward, and get the job done. If you are training to become better on a mountain bike or better running up and down a mountain or better in terms of overall strength and general physical preparedness, or you're in your base um, training zone where things get a little bit more fun, a little bit more changeable, then awesome. Find some happiness and find some joy in your training that allows you to push forward. Life is too short to do training that you think sucks. We can change it. We can chop it up. We can make things happen for you so that you are happy and you enjoy your training. And that is the number one thing that's going to help you get through your training through winter and that I promise you. Short and sweet that one. Next one is doing too much. There are definitely people here that are doing too much with their life and the short answer to this is look at how much it is you're doing and be critical with what actually needs to be done. Are you working tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of hours every week? If you've got a 70-hour week then you need to dial down how much training you think you can do because clearly if you're doing a 70-hour week you can't work out for an hour or two hours a day you could probably spare two or three minutes. If you can spare two or three minutes, you can do some pushups, you can do some sit-ups, you can do some squats, you can go for a walk. You can do all these things that are going to help you progress forward. Even in the simplest and smallest terms, progress is still progress. The smallest step is still a step forward. You might have to check your ego a little bit to think that, oh, I can do two minutes of pushups. Well, we'll do it. Prove to me that you can do it by getting out there and doing it and doing it every single day, making that non-negotiable. You might have zero time, but you definitely have two minutes. When I've got absolutely no time in the world and I've got loads of things going on, then I commit to two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, two minutes of dips. And if I've got the availability for it, then two minutes of pull-ups. And that is eight minutes, quick maths, of exercise. Call it 10 for like the transition between exercises. You can definitely spare 10 minutes. And then I've got the dog, so I have to go walk the dog. So that's another time. If I'm gonna make the dog walk even better, I'll put a heavy pack on and then I'm burning a little bit more energy. I'm just doing a bit more exercise. I feel like I'm working a little bit harder. You're being intelligent with what it is that you're trying to do. If you're going shopping, park the other side of the tra- of the shopping uh, car park and walk the long way to Tesco's. You know, carry the bags from the trolley park all the way to the car. Don't wheel the bloody trolley there. All of these things this is called non-exercise activity thermogenesis. This is essentially all the energy that you burn outside of set training. All of this stuff is going to help you progress forward if you're struggling to fit your training in because you're too bloody busy. And then everything else that you're spending your time on, you know, you might have... You might have um, family and friends and other things that are taking your time. Well, be critical of that. Are you telling me you don't have any time and you're still going out drinking at the weekend? There's 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 a, there's, a, there's competing objectives here. Are you telling me you have time? You don't have any time yet? You're spending an hour a day scrolling on Instagram. That's probably going to be every single person in the world right now. There's going to be a competing uh, competing objectives here. There's competing things for your for your attention. What's valuable to you? What means a lot to you? And what's just wasting your time so have a look at that look at critically at how you're spending your time don't just say that you're desperate and it's the end and you can't do anything look at how you're spending your time get the screen time app open on your phone understand where you're allocating that time where you're spending that time how much time are you spending on social media or on the daily you know and then dial that in put locks on your phone put locks on apps like get some time back People say that they all have the same 24 hours. Well, as much as we do as term, in terms of a clock, we, we spend that 24 hours differently. Every single person here wastes time. It's just a case of what they waste time on and how much time they waste. That's going to be the difference between you getting some training in, getting some meal prep in, getting some time off in, you know, reading a book, spending some time with your partners or your dogs or whatever, and not. So if you're doing too much, think about what it is that you're spending your time on. Be critical of that because there will definitely be openings in time somewhere that you can capitalize upon. Barriers in work, home and adventure. Now, I I kind of dealt with that in a previous challenge. At the end of the day, you've got to put barriers on your time at work, but also put barriers on your time at home. You know, if you work from home, then close the office door when you're done. You know, don't look at the work phone. If you're at home, you're at home. If you're out on an adventure, riding your bikes and running and training and doing stuff, then put another boundary on that. You know, there's three hours on a Saturday, for example, that you're at the bike park, for example, or you're running up a mountain. Well, that's that time. That's not social media time. That's not bullshitting time. That's training time. When you're at home and you're watching a film and you're chilling out with a family or a partner or whatever, and you're just chilling out, don't scroll, don't work, don't think about training, don't edit a training program, do whatever. Put boundaries on your home time because then you're going to become super mindful of how you spend your time. And the people that you're communicating with through work home and adventures and stuff like that are going to get 100 percent of your time and your attention and that is a super important thing that's the difference between having a conversation with someone while you're kind of scrolling on your phone you're not going to feel connected to that person versus the phone not even being in the room and you're having a conversation with somebody and they're looking at you straight in the eye and you are communicating and connecting with that person see the difference we need to have boundaries in our work in terms of when we start and when we finish and then clearing off when we finish boundaries with our homes that we actually connect with our home environment, whether you live on your own and you want to chill or whether you live with people and you want to, you know, connect to those people and boundaries in our adventures and our training so that when you are in those adventures and you are in those training, you're not scrolling Instagram in between sets and reps or, you know, in between sprints or halfway up the hill, you're doing the training, you're doing the hill, you're on the bike, you're mindful to that specific thing. As soon as you have boundaries on those things, something's going to click in your mind and you're going to be like, that was a bloody good training session, or that was a lovely conversation we had the other day. Or, you know, I feel good that I've got boundaries at work. You know, all these things are going to start to click. That seems to be the last one. I did forget what the last one was. So when it comes to challenges, I can stop the screen now. When it comes to challenges, we're all going to have them. I have them. You have them. We all have these different challenges. They're they're tough and they're tough to deal with. We need to make sure that we first and foremost, we get that 30,000 foot perspective as to what that challenge is. Because let me tell you right now, and I'm trying not to sound condescending here, everything's going to feel harder when you're right in the middle of it. It's going to feel like it's the end of the world. It's going to feel like the toughest challenge in the world. But it's not always the case. You might be going through the the hardest point in your entire life right now. And if you are, I'm, I'm there with you every single step of the way. Just drop me a message. I'm there with you. You might be but it's not the end of the world. I'm sure I shared it with somebody the other day, like you've got through 100% of of the worst days and the bad days that you've experienced in your entire life up to this point. That's a really important point to remember. 100% of them you you have got through, which means you'll get through this one too. We need to look at that challenge and we need to break it down. Instead of being a rabbit in the headlights and thinking it's the end, we need to think, right, what do I need to do to edit and to adapt and to pivot through this challenge? so that I can figure out what's going on. Challenge with snacks, don't let food control you. Challenge with time, don't let time control you. Challenge with getting the training in, humble yourself and continue on the progress of your training. Challenge with work, don't let work control you. Don't let home control you. You are in control, remember. You hold all the cards and you're the one that's driving the car here. So start doing that. Start looking at those challenges and going, hey, I got this injury. Well, I'm going to have to deal with that injury and I'm going to have to find other ways to work out. Hey, my class is closed and I can't go to the gym. Well, I'm going to have to deal with that. I'm going to have to find other ways of exercising. And if exercise is important to me, then I'm going to do it. If it's something that I enjoy, I'm more likely to do it. If I don't enjoy it, I'm going to change that so that I do find something that I do enjoy and that I can see progress in. If I can't see progress, well, what is that progress? What is it that I'm trying to progress in here? What's the end state here? Dealing with challenges puts you in a place where you put into perspective what it is that you're trying to achieve, no matter what that challenge, it could be a physical challenge, could be a nutritional challenge, could be a mindset challenge, could be a lifestyle challenge, could be a relationship challenge, whatever. And it'll put into perspective what it is that you actually want. And putting that into perspective is hugely, hugely important because that is what's going to help you progress through every single one of these for the rest of your life. This is not just training program, meal plan, yeah, do the calories, do the push-ups, and then sod off again. This is making you absolutely ironclad on dealing with every single challenge that life throws at you because it will, from challenges at home and in the office to challenges on the mountainside. Same principle, same progress, same ways of dealing with it. Take a knee, take a breath, and then look at these challenges from that 30,000-foot perspective. So deep breath in, and then you look at it and go, right, what can I do about this? What am I in control of? As soon as you understand the answer to that question, you'll progress through your own challenges. So there we go team. There is 40 minutes of me this evening. I did actually press record, which is wonderful. So thank you very much for all of your attention this evening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, Biggest takeaways, like do me a favor if you don't mind, You know, go ahead onto social media and post what your biggest takeaway is from this because every single one of you put a challenge into this. And if I didn't deal with it on the screen with the slides, I've definitely dealt with it through talking. Like what's your biggest takeaway? Even better still, have the confidence. Go and share with someone. It doesn't have to be social media. I'm not a marketing machine here. Like, Go and share with somebody close to you. Hey, this is the biggest challenge I'm facing right now, and this is what I'm going to do about it. Because, okay, that person may or may not care. They will if they're important to you, but it might might spark some enthusiasm in them for them to go, well, I wonder what the biggest challenge is that I'm dealing with, and how would I deal with that? Or how did you come to that conclusion? And this is how we help people. Because this isn't just about us and you and me and whatever. This is about how we can change everyone around us. You're progressing. So the people around you are seeing you progressing and they're seeing you developing. And they're going to get on that train. And by doing this and sharing this socials or not socials, you're going to be helping them progress. Because dealing with challenges is the best part of coaching. It's got nothing to do with the push-ups, It's got nothing to do with tracking calories, nothing to do with any of that at all. Any of you can do that on your own. It's dealing with the challenges and how you deal with it. So there we go. There's my challenge for you for this evening. If you're catching up on the podcast, please do get that challenge done. If you're watching on replay, crack on as well. But folks, thank you so much for your attention this evening. I am going to buy a poke bowl on my way home back to the Airbnb this evening um, because there's a place in Loughborough that does it every single time and it's a mega. Literally, I've done this job here maybe six or seven times before now over the years And every single time I've gone to this same place. So Pokeball calls, but have a wonderful evening. Enjoy your Wednesdays and the rest of your week. Peace, folks.